Hi, this is the Robberator, and you can support my mad grab for power and the Sword and Laser podcast by going to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Text messaging is weird because I just got a text message from you (laughs) while you were talking and I can see you and your hands were not sending me a text message. This is a text message you sent like a half hour ago. It just arrived. Was that, was it the one where I was like, yeah, let's record now? No, it was, it was literally, I'm going to put this email in. Ah, ah, <laughs> well, we, I did. When we get to the email later in the show, we'll let you know, there it is, the email that Tom got the text message about. <laughs> I was just like, was this text message just crawling through the pipes of the internet slowly? Was it afraid? Like, what was its motivation in being so late? But you responded to me. I so did know. you... Were you you responding to an earlier message? I was responding on a different device. That's been happening with me with my Apple Watch. Mm. Like I will receive a text message Mm -hmm. and then like sometimes five minutes later, I'll get the message on my watch. Yeah. No, the message I just got now was on a tablet. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. There's a a clog in the pipes somewhere. Yeah. It's a dark art. In the tubes. (laughs) The internet of tubes. (laughs) Uh, what are you drinking, Tom? What's going down your tubes? We're recording a little earlier today, so the tube I call my throat is getting treated to a LaCroix peach pear sparkling water. Ha! What? What's wrong with that? Ha! You don't like peaches or pears, do you? That's not my favorite flavor. Yeah? It's one rung above coconut. Ooh. Yeah. Nah, I, I actually like the flavor of coconut, but I don't really like it as a flavor in a drink unless the drink is made of a coconut. I love coconut. Yeah, like in drinking coconut straight out of a coconut. I'm all about it. Coconut mm-hmm. as a water flavor. Nah. What about coconut water? Well, if it's coconut water, that's like it's from a coconut. From a coconut, I'm all yeah. I'm I'm cool with that. But you could have been. I mean, maybe you were being kind of hipster about it, and like only if it came from an actual <laughs> coconut in your hand were you down. No, so no, I no, no. Make yeah, sure. I wasn't being quite that. I was only being marginally pretentious, not fully pretentious. Not full pretentious. <laughs> Um, cool. I'm also, I'm drinking plain water. Oh, talk about pretentious. I'm, I'm going OG. Yeah. I'm just single origin water. water. Yep. <laughs> craft, well, maybe. craft pulled draft water. I did make my cold brew today. Yeah. My homemade cold brew. With your artisanal water. Yeah. <laughs> Came out of a, the butt of a civet cat. Yeah. <laughs> As it must. <laughs> the cold brew did like it came out from the yeah. cat it's just a very cold cat it's a cat yeah. i actually a civic you actually cat make i actually the keep cold in the freezer brew inside the cat the cat yeah. is consented to oh it's a it's a polar civet cat yeah yeah so that's the only place where it's comfortable yeah. the, the cat likes it yeah in fact it's therapeutic it's like you know those um those tanks what are they called when you go into one of those like sensory deprivation no, it, they have those at the same facilities. Oh. It's one of those cold tanks where they put you in like a liquid nitrogen tank. Oh, that's cryo-freezing. Don't ever go into one of those. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's what they call it, cryotherapy. 
cryotherapy. Oh, wow. But so it's yeah. not the full, like, you're done. We're, we're putting you on ice for a thousand years, though. I'm guessing. It's like we're putting you in here for 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, for no yeah. scientific reason. But hey, it might work. They say. They got ideas. Yeah. They, right. you know, they. All right. Wow, that was a that was a pretty big preamble uh, to the quick burns. So it was let's a, it jump was a novella. on in. <laughs> you know, I would love to see. Was that fifty thousand words? Yes, we will be submitting it to our agent, uh, Richard and Jan. Uh, note that the or I'm sorry, Jan. Uh, note that the word zone uh, also noted that a new Discworld TV adaptation deal has been announced in a press release on Discworld.com. It was announced that Narrativa, which is the independent production company launched by Sir Terry Pratchett in 2012 and now run by his daughter, Rihanna has struck a development deal with motive pictures and endeavor content to create truly authentic Discworld screen adaptations. That's the press release world words, truly authentic. It was not announced okay. which books will be adapted first, but the deals, according to the press release for TV shows, not movies. The stressing of the authenticity of the planned shows in the announcement may reassure those Pratchett fans who are upset that the Discworld series The Watch, currently in production at BBC America, is apparently diverging a bit from the source material, according to details released so far. In fact, I, somebody in our, our Quick Burns thread uh, noted that someone had called the watch uh a cyberpunk which is doesn't sound like discworld um okay uh, i wonder i wonder so narrativia so that's the production company as mm-hmm. we mentioned um i wonder if they had any kind of approvals over the watch i don't remember they did. from our early they reporting did. so um, they did they did uh but you know there's approvals and approvals right there's final cut mm-hmm. and you know right of rejection and all this kind of stuff uh and there there's been a lot of veiled dissatisfaction with the direction of the watch uh from folks at narrativia and fascinating uh, and yeah so this this like truly authentic Discworld screen adaptations means we've struck a deal where we get to make sure they do it the way we want. Also, uh, I think Endeavor content is run by the same person who, who works at channel, like a person that works at channel four. So these wouldn't come to BBC. These likely would end up at channel four. Interesting. It's a little catty. It's a, it's a little, the phrasing, I mean, unless they're very unhappy. I mean, I think they're probably very unhappy. That's my guess. Yeah, yeah. sounds like they're pretty unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm I'm excited for both anyway. You know, more more sci-fi on on television, more sci-fi fantasy. I don't down. love if Rihanna Pratchett is like, yeah, it's not what we wanted, but it could mm-hmm. be good anyway. I mean, I won't. I'll be uncomfortable that the that Narrativia is not not really satisfied with it, but it still could also be good. We'll see. Probably. Give me, I, I'm curious. So listeners out there, send us a tweet at Sword and Laser. What are some adaptations that were not, you know, didn't make the original author thrilled, mm-hmm. but were still good? Okay. Oh, that's because good I'm curious. Yeah. yeah. Like, are there any situations where I, and the only thing that pops into mind for me is not a television adaptation, but the, the Witcher video games mm. were not like looked down upon. That's By, a great example, yeah. Yeah. like, nah. He's like, mm, this isn't canon. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did love the TV show. 
So I'm wondering if there's any other instances where the author or creator did not love the adaptation, but it was still good slash successful. Resist the temptation to tweet us ones that were bad. It's going to be easy for you to come up with mm-hmm. one that the mm-hmm. author didn't like and were also bad. I love what Veronica's asking here is, no, no, that's easy. We can all do that. Tell right. us the one that people were like, actually, that was pretty good. I don't, I don't know. The author didn't like it, but yeah. Yeah, I'm curious. So yeah, send us a send us a tweet at Sword and Laser. All right, moving on. Steven says the winner of SPFBO5, that is the self-published fantasy blog off uh, created by Mark Lawrence, is The Sword of Kagan by M.L. Wang. Um, Steven says I personally had it as a six-way tie, but I did not have an official vote. You can check out the whole contest over on Mark Lawrence's blog. Um, and also check out a panel from QuarantCon 2020 of the authors who participated in this year's contest. It will make your day. And if you're one of those who want to read more self-published books but don't know where to start, this contest mm. is one of the best ways to achieve that goal. I have now up to 10 authors to keep track of. That's pretty That's cool. That's great. Yeah, because uh, with self-publishing, the, the difficulty for both the authors and the readers is how to navigate it, you know, how to, mm-hmm, how to mm-hmm. find the stuff that, that you're likely to enjoy. And also, I guess we could kind of plug ourselves a little bit because we also had all self-published authors in the Sword and Laser anthology, um, all new still authors, available. all original works, which is yeah. still available. Um, so check it out over on our website. There's a link to buy it yeah. over on Amazon. You can, uh, you can search for, I mean, I think it's available anywhere books are sold online. Thank you. Jan yes. uh, notes that HBO has released a teaser trailer for Lovecraft Country, uh, the te- television adaptation of the novel we read by Mark Ruff. The show is coming from Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams, and the showrunner is Misha Green, who did Underground, uh, set to debut sometime in August. They haven't given us a firm date on HBO and HBO Max. Did you watch the trailer? I did. I did. You didn't... Uh, what? I was worried you were going to say no. Okay, but now I'm more interested because you sound kind of like, I did. I did. And it all looks fine, but it's a trailer for people who don't know the story. So I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, yeah, show me that. Well, obviously that. Oh, okay, fine. But where's the good stuff? And of course, they're not going to show the good stuff, especially in a teaser. Uh, But I I feel like if you're someone who's read the book, you're going to look at this and go, well, sure. <laughs> but but also dot 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 uh and, and of course they're I not going to include a lot of that stuff oh really see, okay I, what did you think see, of the trailer i thought the problem with the trailer is that it showed so much of what happens in the book that it gives the wrong impression this is hard to explain mm. so the reason i'm saying this is because i i did the dumb thing and i read all the comments um on the twitter post for the trailer okay and i was immediately like People were like, this has stupid monsters in it. Like, this isn't like, whatever, this looks dumb. And then other people were like, this has, you know, what what was he saying? They were like, um, yeah, not, it wasn't doing HP Lovecraft justice. Like, he (laughs) wouldn't want this kind of thing. And then it was, and I was like, you guys are totally missing the point. Yeah. Wow. What a surprise. Like, the internet, missing the point. And I was, I wanted to like go in and I, it was very much a someone is wrong wrong on the the internet. internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I get it. Moment XKCD. And I was super stressed out about it because I was like, no, no, there it's, it is a parallel. It's a parallel to HP Lovecraft's 
racism. And it's drawing parallels to that world and power and all these things. And it was, I didn't want to also spoil it for people. I think maybe we're both circling around the same thing, which is what makes the story so good isn't in this teaser. It's not the monsters. Yeah. Because that's not even what I was talking about. I was just talking about the freakiness and the mm-hmm. weird family and the the backstory with the dad and like all what he did and why and like all yeah. of that stuff. That's hard to get across in a teaser. Trust there's me, a lot I, I get going that. on in yeah. this book. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot going on in this book. Um, which you know, as as you may or may not recall, I absolutely loved. Um, so I I've been super excited about this adaptation, and you know, coming from a couple of unknowns like Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams. Like, it's a risk. It's yeah, a risk for what sure. what have they done that I um, would know? So, yeah, I guess fingers crossed it'll get some critical attention uh, based mm-hmm. on these complete no-names being involved. But, yeah. you know, HBO's pretty good at taking risks like that. <laughs> yes, they are. The hobo, as I call them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I am excited about it, though. Um, but moving on to the next bit of news from from another unknown author. Uh, Jan says, starting from May 5th, uh, WizardingWorld.com is releasing each week a chapter of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone narrated by celebrities like Stephen Fry, David Beckham, Dakota Fanning, Claudia Kim, Norma Dumaswini, and Eddie Redmayne. Uh, the first chapter, of course, uh, read by Daniel Radcliffe, has already been released. That was a a big bit of news last week. Um, Videos are available on the site, but there is also an audio-only version released on Spotify. I tried to say audible there instead of audio. (laughs) audio only version yeah uh noma dumaswani is uh the woman who played hermione granger in the broadway or or not it's not broadway it's uh west end uh i'm embarrassed i I guess it also ran on broadway but um yeah on the in the stage play very cool i at first when i saw this story thought they were all reading it at once like Daniel like Radcliffe was play? reading Harry Potter's parts and then Stephen Fry maybe was reading Dumbledore's part. And I was like, huh, it's interesting that they only got uh, <laughs> they only got Harry Potter. <gasps> you know what you could do, Tom? You could do a super cut. No, it wouldn't work. So reading no, separate you're not chapters. Get all the parts. Yeah. Yeah. It makes dang. more sense that they're going chapter by chapter, to be honest. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah, I Very like exciting. It. Very cool. Uh, and Tom Ahome wanted to point out that uh, the the man who played the mountain uh, in the Game of Thrones uh, later seasons just mm-hmm. set a world record for brute strength. Yay. Yeah. This is Hafor Bjornsson is mm-hmm. uh, now the strongest man in the world for deadlifting in Iceland, 501 kilograms. Uh, for us Americans, that means 1,104.52 pounds. <laughs> That is, yeah, I knew that 500 kilograms was the, was the record. Um, so he, yeah, he blew past that. He, he has a number of records. I mean, he has been a, a competitor, like super lifter for, for many, many years. Um, that's one of the reasons why he became the mountain. Mm. Um, but he's, he's a super cool, super funny, seemingly very nice dude and is also uh, unbelievably strong. They should have got the guy who played the hound to come in and, and like lift a fake 501 kilogram weight. <laughs> so yeah, congratulations. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, pretty I, lo- I love stuff like that. Well done. All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. 
And first off, we got a tweet from Kelly who says, hey, Ace to Tech and Veronica, just listen to your discussion of epistola, epistolary, <laughs> epistolary novels. This is I'm on water this time. I, can't, I don't problem. even have an excuse. Epistolary novels. I'm always a few episodes behind. And let me plug Nick Bantock's Griffin and Sabine books. They're epistolary, but also gorgeous art books, and you get to pull the letters from their envelopes. Yeah, That's I could have cool. sworn we mentioned Griffin and Sabine, uh, but even if we did, uh, this this is a great uh, this is a great recommendation. And that's what that is what's cool about the great. Some people don't love the Griffin and Sabine books, but they have the little little envelopes with the little letters in them. It's like a it's like a not like a pop up book, but it's three D. It's tactile. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, we also got an email from an email. You say an electronic mail uh, from Robert Sheckler, who wrote, "Dearest Veronica and Tom." Uh, no, he didn't. He just wrote hi. I'm an avid podcast listener and Patreon supporter, though I'm not on Goodreads. I was just watching a press briefing given the main governor, Janet Mills, and was surprised to hear her quoting Veronica Roth. Since you recently interviewed her, I thought you might also be interested. This was not a forum I expected to hear her name. I googled the quote and it seems to be from Allegiant. In the video of the briefing, she says the quote at 55 minutes and 25 or 55. Yeah, 55 yeah, minutes, 25 yeah. seconds in. Thanks for a great podcast. I look forward to every episode and have discovered many books and other things through the pod. Ah, that's awesome. We'd love to hear that. Like many people, I loved Gideon the Ninth, though I never would have read it unprompted. I'd seen it on Audible before it was a pick and was totally disinterested. Meanwhile, I devoured it and immediately recommended it to all kinds of people. That's great, Robert. That's exactly why we're here. Um, I have to say, so I went to BangorDailyNews.com and started watching this video, and I watched a good amount of that video. I did not hear the quote, so I wish you had told us what the quote was. <laughs> but I learned a lot about the concerns over tourism come this summer mm, in the main yeah. area. I also Bahaba. learned about the the questions about uh, migrant workers and Bud what their Park. status is going to be to come work in the farms in Maine mm. um, based on the coronavirus concerns. Um, so I feel I feel pretty well informed <laughs> about, about um, the comings and goings of Maine, oh, um, but I did not hear the quote. So, uh, Robert, if you're listening, I know you said you're a few episodes behind. Uh, let it, let us know what the quote was. I'm curious <laughs> and how, how it fit into those topics. <laughs> Very cool, though. Very cool. Mm -hmm. All right. We also got a note. Um, actually, it wasn't a note. It was a post in our mm. general forum. And this is about the curves. That curve's not flat. It's from Mark. He said, I was poking around over at the Sword and Laser Wiki where Tazzy Dave keeps statistics, and the curve of books read by decade has a very, co very COVID-19 look. Oh, my God. Like, Lord. <laughs> People have been looking at too many graphs. This is, I know. This, but I totally get what he's talking about because I also have been looking at too many graphs. He says, if we're going to flatten the curve, we need to explore <laughs> over 100 years of publishing history for Sword and Laser books. Fortunately, people sheltering in place are making lists. Folks over at High Lowbrow have compiled a list of the 250 adventures of the 20th century, plus a couple of dozen 19th century adventures. Many of these books are science fiction and or fantasy. The cover scans and photos are also pretty fun to look at. Uh, there are many more lists at High Lowbrow, a good resource for flattening our reading curve. Uh, first of all, shout out to Tassie Dave, because I haven't been to that statistics page in a while. And there's 
even more. Like you want to see how many books were part of a series, how many books were written by non-binary individuals, uh, the newest books we read. Uh, like it's all there. It's incredibly uh, detailed. And I love that Mark took that and turned it into this graph, which does show you know, a slow growth of seven mm-hmm. books in the 50s, 10 in the 60s, back down to eight for the 70s, 13 for the 80s, and then a spike in the 2000s when the show started, uh, and a huge spike to 53 in the teens. Uh, wow. It's probably going to taper yeah. off now, to be honest. Um, we, I, I, this is impressive, um, but I'm concerned because it doesn't, I can't tell. I don't think these graphs are dynamic which means that Tazzy Dave has to manually update all of this information, which takes a really long time because I was like, oh, book picks. I was looking at the book pick section um, yeah. by like, like have a 20 were a combined host choice. Yeah. 37 were picked by Veronica. 34 picked by Tom. 38 were chosen by a poll. One was selected by a Kickstarter contributor and one was selected by a guest. But we don't yet have the new information right. that this month's book pick was selected by a Goodreads member. Or by a listener. Yeah. So I also want to see this uh, this books by decade graph uh, broken out into swords and lasers. Hmm. Um. Which one? Which one do you want to see? The the one that Mark posted. Oh, okay. I see it. Like a breakdown. Like the who... book by decade. Uh, so like graph. a secondary a secondary. Like what's graph. the book yeah. by decade? Tom pick. What's the book by right. decade? Veronica pick. That's interesting. Yeah, we could do that. We could do that if we I had di- if we had dynamic charts. Yeah, I gotta. You think you're? Oh, I see. So you think your curve is flat? Yeah. I think you're probably. I think your curve is probably flatter. I do tend to pick more modern day picks, more recent picks. That and that's because I'm younger and you're old, so you pick that's what you know. All true. That is true. <laughs> uh, I you know I I pick the the stories of my youth. That's why we have one from the 1810s. <laughs> Uh, but, but also I I think it's, it's, it's also fair that we would have more in the more recent, uh, and, and I think folks in this thread pointed it out. Was it John Taloni who, no, no, Mm -hmm. it was William who was like, yeah, but also we, you know, the, the, those are easier to get. Uh, and the other thing is whenever we do pick older stuff, people tend to like it less Yeah, because I think I, I get the at least the vocal people in our audience tend to want something that is written for now. And they don't like tolerating things that were written for the past, both when they're, you know, maybe didn't age well and are kind of offensive now, but also just like, just not what we do now. Uh, Yeah. Or just like the voice for me, sometimes mm -hmm. it's the voice. Um, it's, I, I rarely come across a lot of stuff that I find offensive. I mean, sometimes there's a little bit of like patriarchal yada yada. Sometimes there's racism, um, for yeah, sure. Yeah. But by and large, usually it's just the, the, the writing style that I find sometimes distracting, um, and, and noticeably different from, from modern day writing styles, um, which can, yeah, it can kind of bring me out of the moment a little bit when certain words are used or phrases. Um, but by and large, it's, it's just, I, I like, I like them for different reasons. I like more like older sci-fi fantasy because it sometimes feels like, oh, this is where these ideas come from. This is where these tropes come from. And that's kind of cool to get to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, once in a while, the newer stuff I think is, is just, 
comes up with different concepts or ideas that I think are a little more intriguing for well, me. And th- that makes sense because they're written for you now. Mm-hmm. Right? right. And, and, and this idea, books are not timeless. They're always a product of their time. And so that's why we call a book timeless as a compliment to be like, wow, it's so unusual that this book still appeals to this people. This holds up. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you're going to have fewer of those kinds of books like Dune, uh, you know, that, that, that sort of hold, hold on better, you know, that wear better uh, throughout time. Philip wrote uh, on one of our threads, uh, H-E-A versus depressing consequences. When I read, I enjoy feeling danger for the characters. I like books where there are actual consequences. If the bad guys occasionally win, I'm cool with that. I'm not a fan of plot armor, so I can't take too many lucky breaks and close calls. Some people prefer these stories. They want an H-E-A and will turn away from a book if a popular character dies in the second act. After all, nobody wants to see his or her friends suffer. Where do you stand on this issue? Do you prefer to read to discover if the heroes win or how they will win? Philip, being somebody who doesn't like the other way, I think uh, did a great job of phrasing a fair question. It's it's a matter of taste. Do you like it if the heroes win or how they win? Does the thought of a suicide mission immediately make mm-hmm. you skip a book because you don't want your characters to go through heartbreak? Does the execution of a suicide mission with 100% survivors make you scoff and leave the world with a bad taste in your mouth? Does it depend on your mood or the world you're reading about? So I, first of all, um, when I saw HEA, I was like, happy ending <laughs> like i couldn't figure out i, th- I thought it was the uh, home economics association <laughs> it's uh thank you trike for your immediate next comment uh saying happily ever after which makes a lot more sense than happy ending mm. um which does not make sense happy ending because that's not, <laughs> that's not how you spell that um huh this is a good question I never would skip a book. Um, I don't think I would skip a book. I I mean, really, hmm, that's a good question. I, I, I love like this question because it, it points out that there's not a wrong answer. Yeah. There's, it's a matter of what do you prefer? Do you like feeling like, okay, I want the heroes to win, but how are they going to do it? And, and you want to be kept in suspense and you want there to be stakes and you want it to be interesting, but you really don't want the hero to lose. Like that's a fair way to read the book. And and I love that, that Philip goes on and says both types of books are valid. You know, some just want that cozy entertainment and that's fine. Um, or do you want to be shocked? Do you want to be thrown into like, oh my gosh, no one is safe. I never know who's going to win. Uh, and, and that's, that's fine too. I'll be honest. I like them both. And yeah, I don't, I, I think, don't think it even depends on my mood. Like I just, I kind of realize, like, oh, this is the kind of story where the heroes will win. That's fun. Let's see how it happens. Or it's, you know, the shocking Game of Thrones thing where you're like, oh, cool, nobody's safe. Wow, what's going to happen? Well, that that was exactly the example I was going to make, which is if if people knew that Ned Stark <laughs> doesn't make it after the first book, like, how yeah, would that do. have changed? Well, come on, <laughs> how would that have changed? their perception of reading the book in the first place. Like if right. you found out that the main good guy, the primary character gets whacked, you know, at the end of the first book or, or at the end of the first season, like how much would that have changed many people's opinions about even starting it? I think I have that problem with television and films 
more than I do with books. Like if I know that there's like a sad, horrible thing that happens in a TV show, like pretty early or that, or builds up to it, I'm going to have a harder time starting it because I'm just much more visual, Mm -hmm. um, with TV and movies. Like I, I, it's not that I feel more emotionally tied to those characters. I just get more upset in that setting. I'm not sure why. Yeah. Well, and, and, and part of the appeal of the, uh, depressing consequences is the, the surprise, the sort of the feeling of like, right. Oh, I'm in a world where I cannot tell what's going to happen. You know, this is interesting. And if you do know ahead of time, you've taken away one of the main benefits of the depressing consequence, right? Is that that surprise. Mm-hmm. And so, it, so now you're like, okay, not only am I not going to be surprised, but I'm going to have to live through seeing this depressing thing happen. Like, I totally get that. Yeah. Um, so that's a good question, though, because some good conversation happening in here and some other people confused about what an HEA is. So that makes me feel better. Um, that's my know, happy I think ending. HOA was also in my mind. <laughs> or HOV. <laughs> yes, the HEA lane. If you're <laughs> if you're living happily ever after, you get to drive in the toll toll free uh, lane. On, on, cool. In Discord. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to quickly kick off our book of the month, um, which, as we mentioned or didn't mention, actually. No, we've been so we far we in this episode, a, did we? Did oh, we? we not in this episode. We this we kicked episode. it off last time. We gave we gave sort of a brief uh, a brief description of it last time. Right. So we're reading uh, Magician Apprentice by Raymond D. Feist. Uh, this was selected for us by Terp Kristen, uh, sword and laser listener for many, 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 many moons. Uh, so thank you for making a selection. And uh, as we noted also, this book is is really kind of a, I didn't realize this before, but it, it's kind of two books. It's the first half, what we're reading, of a two-book story in some cases. Am I explaining this right? Not well. No, no, you're, you're that explaining face. it exactly right because it's exactly how I explained it to you last time. <laughs> I'm just making sure people know if they haven't started it. You're Tom. You said I didn't realize this. Oh, well... <laughs> A lot of stuff has been happening. Okay, <laughs> acting, acting. You convinced me that you really didn't realize. There we go. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm actually pretty far through. I'm like sixty five percent or so. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. So far, I, I started reading it a couple days before the month began. Um, so I've, I've been enjoying it. Do we need to explain any more about what it's about? Or we we covered that pretty well in the last episode, apparently. I felt like we had until just now. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, it's it's, in the UK, it's two two books. And someone pointed out in uh, the thread for last week's podcast that not only is it uh, it one book in the UK, the two books in one, uh, but they are broken into book one and book two. So it would be very easy if you're in the UK and you have the full magician book to tell where apprentice ends. All right. That's uh, good. So, so that, that shouldn't be a problem. I'll be honest though. I'm, I'm having a blast reading this. It's yeah? so comfy. You're enjoying it? Yeah. I'm almost too comfortable. I'm almost too comfortable. Okay. Yeah. I can totally see that. I'm, um, it is feeling a little bit like very, very chosen one, obviously very, mm-hmm. very like I have, heard this kind of story before um pug is very likable but he doesn't really have a strong personality to me he seems just to be um he speaks very adult also to the other adults um i i'm just having a hard time picturing him being a 15 year old boy and except in certain awkward situations 
Um, yeah, I I think I'm kind of comparing it in a way to um, to Assassin's Apprentice and Fitz, and like although he wasn't an apprentice to a magician, well, yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and to me, Fitz compared to Pug has so much more kind of like spunk to him like so much more like I feel like he's a kid like having to deal with all this stuff and I don't really get that sense with Pug and I'm not I I just came up with that comparison now because it felt right um but he seems too pure and good so far he he is he is and this is, I think this is a classic example of the, I want to read new things because old things uh, are the things that laid the groundwork for me to enjoy things like fits, right? Mm. Like you have to have the magician apprentice told for someone to read it and go, oh, that was fun. You know, it would be cooler. You know, what if Pug was a little more in danger, right? You know, and 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 this is how stories evolve and how they build mm-hmm. and ha- and our tastes evolve with them to that to the point of what you said of like I've heard this story before is why you want new books because well, you've heard the stories before, right? <laughs> but and I like old, it. It's good. Know, and it, and it is well, like a warm quilt. Exactly, exactly how I'm feeling. I have read so many stories where everyone's in danger, where everything's a secret, where everything is lurking around the corner and and Pug isn't who Pug would be. And now Pug's going to do something horrible. And it's like, it's just so nice to be like, oh, okay. I don't have to suspect that the magician is going to like turn on Pug and, (laughs) you know, and kill him. True. Uh, I, 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 I have, there's enough going on that I don't know about. You've got the mystery of Mm -hmm. where the boat came early on, you know, where it came from and why Pug's magic is a little different, why he was picked. Uh, You know, there's enough of those mysteries to keep me interested, but I don't have to keep looking around the behind me to find out like, Oh, is somebody going to get stabbed through the heart uh, at a certain point? So it kind of pulls together two of our conversations here one about the you know the whether you can enjoy something that's a little older but also the the depressing consequences versus the happy ever after true i i i'm really curious to talk to terp Kristen because she read this a long time ago uh, uh-huh. and, and really loved it then and so i'm very curious to see how it held up for her um if she still like loves it as much or if it was a more of a like i read this as a child and now it's it's different i don't know i i'm curious uh, i'm excited to hear what she thinks um also weirdly i'm shipping pug and thomas <laughs> i could totally see that yeah i don't think it's going to work out my way but mm, i'm having not. fun doing it yeah i don't know i don't know it's 82 probably not though it does it, it, the 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 clues are not there for that and it just doesn't well, seem you're just not looking hard enough. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe we'll, maybe yeah. we'll be pleasantly surprised. Uh, I I I think I like this because it's a it's a lovely break. It's well written. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. surprising. Like you say, it's a warm quilt, and may, I just kind of want that right now. I I like sometimes the challenge of ooh, I need to focus. I need to pay attention. Like what is going to happen next? Right. I love Gideon the Ninth for for you know, those kinds of reasons, like everything's surprising. Who's really doing what that's fun. Sometimes, sometimes you're not in the mood for that. Uh, you just want a wizard story with, with fun magic and a couple mysteries. And mm-hmm. you know, it's like having spicy food versus having chicken pot pie. Right. Oh man. Neither one's wrong. 
Sometimes you're in the mood for spicy food. Sometimes Why you not want both? chicken pot pie. Why not a spicy chicken pot pie? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that'd be so good. Like a vegetarian version. Mm. <gasps> like a buffalo, like a buffalo chicken pot pie. Yes. Tavala makes that. I'm drooling. I'm act- <laughs> my mouth is actually, I'm so hungry. We're recording at 5.30, which is usually my old lady dinner time. Um, so I'm getting pretty, pretty excited mm. about my lasagna. We have lasagna um, too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Did you make a big lasagna? We made a big lasagna on Sunday. Yeah. Me too. Huh. Huh. Yeah. Ours is Weird. five cheese. Whoa. Yeah. We made homemade sauce too. Oh, you did us one better there. We didn't think yeah. the sauce this time. I've done that made before. Homemade sauce. It pays off. It's worth it. It took us like five hours because mm-hmm. we cook it for a long time. Yeah. Well, you need to. That's, that's oh, I'm gonna- right. I'm going to starve. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, jump into the conversation over on Goodreads, talking about Magician Apprentice, uh, talking about all the other stuff. I hope everyone's doing great out there. We love to hear from you. And of course, our show is currently entirely funded by you, our patrons. Uh, so thank you so much to those of you who back our show. If you want to help us out, head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Also, you can find books through our links. We link to a lot of the books we talk about, and then they just stay there. It's like a never-ending page of amazing book suggestions. Uh, find them uh, at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email at feedback at swordandlaser.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser. And of course, all of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. We will see you next time. Have a happy ending. So hungry. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.